0: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. You know, sometimes movies just hit a little different, and guess what? If you're within the sound of my voice, that must mean you're in the seats with once more, as always. My name is Dave White, and, uh... I am the host of this podcast, where we sit down with a wide-ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals. We pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, how they got started, and so very much more in a light and a conversational fashion. And you know, if you like how we do things around here, I'm going to go out on a limb and uh, assume that you do, because, uh, quite frankly, you're listening. Uh, and if you are, uh, hit that subscribe button. Uh, ring that bell. Give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, we're pretty, we're we're pretty much everywhere. We're on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and plus we archive every single one of our episodes over at our In The Seats YouTube channel, so if you can give us a like and subscribe there as well, we'd absolutely appreciate it. Also, uh, don't hesitate to check us out on social media. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Letterboxd, TikTok, and probably a few other places that I've forgotten about at In The Seats for all sorts of fun updates, but finally and I do dare say most importantly please pay us a visit over at in the seats in the for all the latest and greatest from the world of film television basically the moving image at large because guess what if we love to watch it and write about it and talk about it we love it even more when you come by and read about it and listen about it so do us that absolute kindness and pay us a visit on this episode kids we got a fun one. we are diving into a film we had a chance to first see uh, last year back at the Toronto International Film Festival, but is now uh, coming out in theaters everywhere, especially here in Canada, thanks to our friends from Films We Like, and uh movie, it is called The Settlers, and it's well, uh, oh, I loved it, because uh, it's, uh, it's from director Felipe Galvez, and it is set in Chile in the turn of the century, it's kind of 1901, and there are these three horsemen who are paid to protect this this massive piece of land, this huge estate, uh, and it's it's this combination of a British soldier, an American mercenary, and uh, a sniper of uh, like a of mixed race, a- and he realizes that this young man of mixed race who comes from this territory realizes that he's on a mission to kill the indigenous population uh, of this territory, and it's. It's brutal, it's beautiful, it's, it's really a stunning piece of work, like I said, from co-writer and director Felipe Galvez, but we talked to him uh, with the help of a translator, uh, just to ask him about the origins of the film, making it the sort of the style of it all, uh, and so very much more. Like I said, uh, go to your uh, local listings if you're in uh, Toronto, it is playing at the TIFF Bell Lightbox. Check out The Settlers, but first, check out our talk with Felipe Galvez, because between you and me, it's a darn good one. All right, well, uh, Felipe, obviously, just first off, I just want to say thank you uh, so much for the time today, and congratulations on the film. I thought it was fantastic. Thank you, David. Now, I guess my first question is, uh, I got to see this first at TIFF, and I got to watch it again just the other day. I was so struck by it because... It's rare to see a film like this dealing with this time period and sort of the brutality of it. Also, have kind of the emotional nuance that we have, especially through these characters. Like, walk me through, I guess, sort of the origin of wanting to tell this story, particularly on your end.
1: La verdad es que una en un medio salió una fotografía que mostraba a a justamente hombres que cazaban cennam, que cazaban indígenas y ellos ellos se sacaban retratos, hacían fotos posadas con los cuerpos y posaban y eran imágenes que parecían un western o parecía una película como de de África, un safari, entiende como que como que en esa puesta en escena que ellos esa foto que ellos mismos se sacaban cometiendo estos crímenes estaba estetizada y estaba probablemente se ocupaban en el imaginario de ellos ya el cine, como referencia. ¿Entienden? como O sea, como ideas como de, de, de como heroicas, ¿no? O la, eh, y me pareció que cuando vi esa foto que había que hacer una película de eso. Y desde ahí, me además, lo que me interesó fue esa foto, quise hacer una película de eso, y sobre ellos sobre la película siempre, lo primero que se me ocurrió fue hacer una película desde el punto de vista de quienes participaban en estos viajes y eso fue lo más difícil al final de cuenta porque es una idea que se va haciendo complicada a medida que avanza porque porque no hay héroes porque te dejas sin héroes y es como seguir a, a tres personajes que no son héroes durante toda una película
2: um, ya yeah, sé so, um, how it happened was i i was uh, looking through a newspaper and i saw this photo um, showing these men who, who were kind of pictured, posed next to the the, the bodies of murdered Selknam Indigenous people, and they were kind of posed as if, almost as if they were on a, a safari, like these kind of hunt trophies that they were showing mm. off, um, something like a safari or a western. There was that kind of uh, vibe to the photo, um, and so in in that, what I saw in this photo was that. In the very act of taking this photo, they themselves had conceived of themselves as as being in this kind of cinematic scene, right? You know, mm-hmm. that, like they almost saw themselves as heroic in a sense. Um so I wanted to make a film about these people. That was the initial idea. Um I, I, my first thinking was I, I wanted to make a film from the um perspective of of people of, of people it this angle of the story. And that was always going to be complicated because, you know, in the history of colonialism, there's, there's no heroes really. They saw themselves as heroes, but there weren't any heroes in my film.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, these characters in many ways almost feel like they're existing in a certain degree of limbo, almost sort of a, a hearts of hearts of darkness kind of sort of really kind of an ethereal state. And I loved the, the, the visual aesthetic that the film had. Can you talk to me a little bit about sort of, painting the world for these characters and making it feel like they're in this sort of limbo-esque state.
1: A mí, a, hay algo que es interesante también de los personajes, que es que algunos son reales, ¿no? Mac es un personaje real que existió y parece un personaje de ficción, que parece un personaje de, casi de un, de un cómic y Vicuña es un personaje que no existió que está totalmente de la ficción y es basado en otros personajes y parece un personaje real eh, y están retratados también como de esa manera, por ejemplo esta película en un comienzo yo pensé hacerla en blanco y negro, pero sentía que si la hacía en blanco y negro iba a aparentarse en una película basa como esta película trata de representar lo que sucedió la realidad yo más bien traté de trabajar con una imagen más bien falsa, artificial, ocupé la fotografía de los hermanos Lumière como referencia, la pintura y para que para tener como un color, una forma artificial, los vestuarios, de los personajes son pantalones de colores turquesa, entonces para que se entendiera que era una película, que era una ficción y que no intenta eh, buscar la, la realidad, porque a mí como a mí lo que me interesa un poco en el en la, es mostrar la artificialidad del cine, o sea, tiene no no, no me interesa que vivan en un mundo de alguna manera MacLillan y Men- son héroes, MacLillan el héroe del siglo XX de, de películas militares y también el héroe del siglo XIX de novelas de aventura eh, Bill es eh, un, eh, un, eh, un cowboy que es el héroe del siglo, de comienzo del siglo XX del, del cine americano y segundo yo digo que es como un héroe del cine de, de, del nuevo cine latinoamericano un antihéroe Entonces, lo que trato de decir es que estos personajes viven en el cine, ¿Se entiende? son como que habitan, son personajes que habitan, su, donde habitan en películas. Entonces, cuando uno los filma, eh, está filmando muchos personajes de muchas películas. Eh, y, y yo creo que es Tierra del Fuego y ese escenario el que lo imprime de, como, de un lugar casi onírico, Eh, de algo de un lugar, de un tiempo, de una imagen que casi no como muy antigua que no sabemos si existió o no, es como siempre que yo pensaba en la película era como el parque Jurassic Park, ¿no? Cuando uno va a un lugar y está los dinosaurios, es como que estos personajes aún están vivos en esa
2: en ese lugar. Uno los siente vivos como reales. Um, so yeah, initially cuando I yeah you know, uh something interesting about the 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 characters in this film is you've got you've got McLennan on the one hand who was a real real person from history um who actually existed but he seems fake right he seems like a comic book character and then on the other hand you've got Vigunia who's made up but perhaps seems more realistic so it's that that strange contradiction you've right. got there um and I Originally, I wanted to to make the film in black and white, um, but then I thought, no, in fact, I don't want to do this because if I were to film it in black and white, it would make it seem as if I was portraying some kind of uh, historical fact, right? Some documentary. And what I wanted to do was, was to kind of create more of an obvious uh, kind of... A, 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 used an aesthetic that was more obviously fictionalizing yeah. the film right so I went for the early color experiments used by the Lumiere brothers um so that the audience would understand that uh, I actually wasn't trying to recreate reality but it was it was intentionally fictionalized um and I wanted to yeah so I wanted to show the artificiality of the story and then in terms of McLennan I mean I feel like he's the kind of archetypal hero of a 20th century, early 20th century cowboy movie. Um, and also he's kind of similar to the 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 sort of heroes that you get in the new wave of Latin American films, these kind of anti-heroes we're seeing. Right. Um so so when you're filming these characters, you're always kind of filming various levels of personality in there, if you see what I mean. And I think that um Patagonia was kind of a a, a great landscape to to film this in, because the way the scenes were shot the the landscapes it, it kind of created this sort of um ethereal sense of like this place seems so ancient. It's like did it really actually exist or not? So there's almost this sense of like Jurassic Park sort of vibe to it where you you're sort of thinking like are these are these characters did they really exist at the time? you know it's it's ethereal and strange.
0: I love it. Now, I mean, I know you have an extensive ex- experience as a as an editor in film, and I mean, it kind of reminds me of the old joke of Alfred Hitchcock only shooting what he needed for his editor so the editor couldn't screw up the film. And I'm kind of curious, how did your experience as an editor inform you as a filmmaker, especially this time doing uh, your very first feature?
1: Hice exactamente eso. No. <laughs> Seguía Hitchcock. Eh, la verdad que lo que más me sirvió es que Era un, bueno, para nosotros fue difícil financiar esta película. Y, y, y lo que hice, el, el ejercicio más grande que se hizo fue editar mucho el guión. Entonces, nosotros ocupamos todas las escenas del guión. El guión se filmó completamente y se ocuparon todas las escenas de la película, solo se borró una. Que yo, ya cuando la filmé, la había borrado. Dije, esta escena no me va a funcionar y, re, y la reemplacé por otra o sea improvisamos otra y básicamente lo que quiero decir con eso es que la película para poder haberse grabado en cuatro semanas y media se filmaba muy poco y todo lo que se iba a ocupar entonces eh, como tú dices yo yo realmente cuando hago una escena empiezo a hacer una escena y algo no funciona no la hago o sea busco otra cosa no es que hago cinco tomas en una película que fue filmada toma dos tomas por dos tomas por escena eh, y que generalmente cuando llegó al montaje, el el montajista se reía porque decía, bueno, ya estaba pre-montada, venía muy pre-editada, eso se puede ver en la la escena de la matanza con la niebla, que está construida de muchos pequeños momentos que, que yo logro imaginármelo en mi cabeza, tanto porque soy montajista, durante muchos años, y tanto porque soy muy disléxico. Entonces tengo vengo de, de pensar en, en imágenes. Entonces me lo, logro prever la escena y editarla en mi cabeza. Eh, tanto así que nosotros nunca volvimos a rever el material. viste Lo normal es llegar a la isla de edición y ver el material. Yo nunca lo volví a ver, sino que solo pusimos las escenas que yo ya tenía marcadas que íbamos a ocupar. Y, y solo ocupamos eso, lo cual también al montajista lo... Se reía porque era lo, lo encontraba totalmente una locura, ¿no? Pero pero nunca toqué el mouse tampoco. Nunca yo monté porque creo que uno de los procesos más importantes del montaje es la discusión. Lo que uno espera, yo por lo menos lo que espero de mi montajista es que me diga la verdad y que me digan los problemas que, que encuentra en la película, no solamente el, el trabajo técnico de cortar. Entonces... Eh, Pero fue una... El ser montajista a mí me ha ayudado mucho en... en es como mi forma de pensar, ¿no? es con mi eh, Tiene que ver con mi con mi, con mi mi caligrafía de, de cine, ¿no? Eh, en la casa de Menende, eh, yo quería hacer como un reloj, que fuera como un reloj, y cuando ya íbamos, eh, habiendo hecho 20 cortes, yo dije, bueno, hagamos 100 cortes. Hicimos una escena donde hayan 100 cortes. Entonces... Yo diría que hay varias ideas de, de Hitchcock en la de, en,
2: en términos de montaje y, y guion. So yeah, it's exactly that uh, I I followed Hitchcock. Um so for us it, it one of the main things was it, it was difficult to finance the film uh and one of the biggest challenges was to to uh, edit the script. Um so you know there, there was actually only only one scene that I filmed that that I got rid of um, and I ended up replacing that with uh, with an improvised scene um and in the four and a half weeks uh the filming took place over um we filmed very little and and kind of almost everything that we filmed we used um so when i started for me it, when i start filming a scene and i see that it's not working i i just drop it and i try something else i don't do several takes again and again um I mean the, the the editor was joking that like it was almost as if the the script came kind of pre-edited. Uh <laughs> like, um so you know the scene with the massacre in the in the in the fog. Um there were loads of kind of unexpected things that happened there that we we just kept. Um but, and this is partly because, you know, partly down to my experience as an editor, but also partly because I have a very visual imagination. I'm kind of quite dyslexic, so I kind of pre preview everything visually in my mind if you like and the editor laughed he's like this is crazy you know um what's going on here uh so but I also never I never lay my finger on the mouse in terms of editing myself uh I wanted the editor to kind of be able to to, to speak truthfully to me about problems he saw in the film mm-hmm. yeah and and so I think being an editor helped a lot um, and and with the the Menendez house towards the end, I I wanted to kind of make it uh I based it around like a a watch. Mm. Um. Um. Yes, yeah, so very inspired by Hitchcock.
0: Love it, absolutely love it. Now, i mean, I'm curious because obviously you have done some short films, but I'm curious: is there anything in, that you learned sort of at the end of the experience of doing a feature that maybe you didn't expect to?
2: Algo que que aprendiste de la experiencia de hacer un largo que no esperabas. Mm,
1: eh, trabajar con animales, no, no. Trabajar con caballos es muy difícil. Yo, esper- yo pensaba que que hacer una película con tres hombres a caballo en exterior, donde no íbamos a necesitar tantas luces, eh, iba a ser una película muy económica, eh, como simple de hacer. Y, y lo que aprendí es que es que el, el papel el, la página en blanco lo soporta todo y que y que no y que aprendí que todo tiene un costo y todo es muy difícil no aprendí a que todo lo que uno pone en un guión tiene que pensar si si es realmente factible hacer o o si realmente uno sabe voy a saber dirigir esa escena eh, todas las escenas como con animales escenas con niños eh, son extremadamente complejas Y, y eso aprendí, creo que la próxima vez, cada vez que escribo algo voy a tener mucho más cuidado eh, y no voy a volver a pensar que económico algo. Era muy, fui muy era bastante naif cuando hace 10 años cuando partí escribiendo Los Colonos y más bien yo fui aprendiendo todo haciendo esta película. Es una película como que muy autodidacta, no que nos enseñó a hacer todo. Nos enseñó de guión, aprendimos a guionar, aprendí de personajes, aprendimos de producción, eh, de festivales, eh, de distribuciones. En la película me ha enseñado todo y y en las próximas trataremos de de hacer las cosas más conscientes. Que no siempre es bueno, porque esta fue totalmente inconsciente todo, o muchas cosas, y bastante bastante bien funcionó, creo. También me da
2: miedo ahora ser tan consciente yeah, I think um, working with animals, working with horses was particularly difficult. Um, I thought that kind of filming scenes with with three men, uh, some horses and with very little lighting would be easy. Um, I, I was mistaken. Um, and I learned that everything has a cost, right? L- lots mm-hmm. of unexpected things that have a cost. And um, to really think about if something is really necessary uh in advance uh for yeah yeah filming scenes with animals and children was really complex um so I think every time I um you know when when I film in in the future I think I'll be really aware of these things that I learned these lessons I learned so I was very naive when I set out on this and it taught me a lot Uh, it was a real learning process I I kind of learned about everything in the process I learned about production, cast, um, festivals you know it it was a comprehensive learning process and I think next time I'll be more aware of those things but also there's a part of me that thinks well it went really well even though I wasn't aware of these things so so (laughs) in part I'm kind of cautious or fearful around actually being too aware of these lessons I've learned.
0: Well, at the very least, Felipe, I hope the next film is easier to fund. But, I mean, honestly, just congratulations on this film. I think it's a hell of a piece of work. And, I mean, just thank you again so much for the time today. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Joe. And don't forget to to visit our friends over at Bay Street Video for all your DVD, Blu-ray, rental, or Purchasing needs this summer as they are still open for curbside and some mailing delivery as well over at 1172 Bay Street, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You can give them a call at 416-964-9088. That's 416-964-9088. Or send them an email at baystreetvideoto at gmail.com for any of your DVD and Blu-ray needs.